so if uh, uh, you're tuning in to uh, what obviously is the title, and we're just going to give like a quick little blurb right here. We totally forgot to start recording uh, on our uh, the devices that we use. So we're going to have to redo this intro all over again. That's okay. You're here. You're listening. Uh, thank you for showing up. I'm one of your co-hosts, Alex, and we have two other people here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm <laughs> And I am Lily. Hello again, even if you didn't hear me the first time. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Lily was just explaining the entire thing, pretty much. We only got about 10, 15 minutes in, maybe. Yeah. But Lily, I'm, I apologize. You're going to have to say okay. everything over again. And when you, when you say some of this stuff, I think we'll just point out what we asked before. I guess I had mm -hmm. questions, but go ahead, Lily. Go ahead and start. All right. You know what? It's just part of the story. It's just like that sometimes. Yep. And I, I was telling you that some of the sources just disappear. See? I did tell you that. Oh, that all is right, true. Right. Let's backtrack. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. The story we're about to talk about is a small town in the south of France. Um, it's very mysterious. You may have heard of it, but you also may not have heard of it because it's very small and it's kind of a little dot, even in France, honestly. It's in the countryside, not very known about. It's called Rennes-le-Château and it literally means Rennes, the castle. Now, this is not uh, set, the, so the story is not set in a castle, but this is just how most uh, cities and towns are called in France. You sh usually have castle something. And I used to live in a little town called Chateau Thierry, which is Castle Thierry. And with with that being said, I, I had asked the question before we, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, what's <Hi>. up? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> oh, hello. I, I just I just see logs. Morning. Hi. Hey, good morning. <laughs> I was just gonna. I'm just drinking my coffee, and I gotta go in a little bit. But ah, okay, okay. This is very picturesque. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here to listen. Okay. All right. Well, welcome, okay. welcome. Well, before before Seth got here, I had asked the question <clears throat> uh, previously before we started recording. Uh, Clark had told us why there it, it, in France everything has like castle in it. Clark, do you want to explain that again? Yeah, the short answer to that is that <clears throat> going back to like feudal times, most of the time your small towns and your farms and your villages would have be responsible to the lord uh, of a like nearby castle, or you know that would be basically the the, the structure of the time, uh, you know, class wise. So you would have you know les châteaux on the end of a lot of towns because they were normally the town that was responsible to this lord. Uh, so they were under his, I guess, you know, protection jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank Makes you. Now, now we, yeah, now we're all spun up. And then, <laughs> yeah, you were you were saying, Lily. <laughs> so this story is truly one to lose yourself in. There's a lot of patterns, symbols, puzzles, but also mysterious death. Some of the characters you will hear their name a couple of times uh, within this presentation. Um, you might want to look into them a little bit, but be mindful of the sources. Screenshot them, save them somewhere, because as I was saying, sometimes you'll find a book, a podcast, a video, and it will just disappear. This story is really famous for having a lot of 
lies, misdirections, fairy tales, and sometimes the source you were referring to is just gone. I find that so weird. I don't Isn't know. It? I don't know how that. I, and I, I even I, I told Lily too, or I asked her. I'm like, so you're selling, telling us that this episode and that's effing weird could just go missing in like five years, and mm -hmm. her response was yes. I, and that's that's just that's effing weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we will be missing. <laughs> Again, don't say that. You're you're putting bad luck on us. <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, that's not all that is, um, in his story. Up until very recently, it was brought up again. I believe it was in 2004. The corpse of the, the main character we're about to present, um, was dug up and buried again under a humongous slab of concrete. Wait, That so is all. I will leave it at that. So he was dug up and then just mm -hmm. put right back under, a, like, mm -hmm. a different... What? So he was Jimmy Hoffard. <laughs> so what? Okay, is this or, is this like going to be a lot? Is, corpses. What was that, Clark? Or like the Chernobyl corpses? Was he too radioactive? Mm. Ooh. What? Yeah. Like the, mu the dinosaur museum bones callback from last night. <laughs> So, all right, okay, is this is this going to be one of these things where I'm just going to be asking why and there's not going to be an answer to, like, and it, there's just going to be a lot of questions? Now it's a little bit, I, I want to say simple, but as the story unfolds, there are really definitely a few instances where I was like, just why? What happened yeah. then? So there are a lot of facts in this story but also a lot of conspiracies that clark will uh, let us know about a little bit later but oh sorry about that my phone just rang um but let's start with what is generally agreed upon this is the story of a priest in the south of france that discovers something something that brings him unimaginable reaches um monetary but not not only uh, he also becomes somewhat famous um, within the this little parish that he has, so it just brings him so much in his life. Um, and this story is relatively recent, within the past you know a hundred years. Um, lost of testimonies, sometimes pictures. Does anyone have heard about this before besides myself and Clark? No. About Ren le Chateau. Nothing at all? No. Nothing about a certain parchment that was discovered? No. Should should I have? Is, is this one of those like common knowledge things? Am I just drawing a blank? I think personally it's pretty famous, but I'm a little biased, I guess. I think it's inspired <laughs> more Hollywood and literature and things than you realize it has. Mm -hmm. Let's start with our main character here. His name is François Béranger Saunier, but he only goes by Béranger Saunier. Um, he was born in April 1852 in Um, just a little city, a little town in the south of France. Nothing very um, noticeable about it. It's a small village near Rennes-le-Château and very close to the Spanish border, if you can see approximately where it is next to the Mediterranean Sea. The house I was born in is still standing today, and you can 
you cannot you can't visit it but you can walk in front and it's still standing it's in it's it's in good condition Sonia was the eldest of seven children two brothers and three sisters um and uh his parents were Margaret Hughes and Joseph Sonier which they have a small appearances here and there in the story but they're not the main the main focus here now his father Joseph was um called the cubier which would mean which could mean um either the man that does everything or the priest it's this father figure that everybody knows in the town basically he was a grocer he was the mayor of Montazel, and he was also managing a big flour mill nearby. Um, he was as well, uh, sorry, he was also a steward of a marquise nearby. So, pretty busy guy. Now, apparently he was pretty quick-tempered, and living in his household was not always happy. So, it was heard that uh, he was very hard on his family and his wife in particular, Margaret. Now, Sonier's childhood was, he, he was a healthy kid. He was athletic and growing up in the countryside in rural France um, at the time meant being exposed to Christianity at a very early age. Um, I am myself a recovering Catholic, so I get that. As the eldest, he kind of de facto became part of the clergy. In 1870, he began his journey to priesthood by entering the Grand Seminary in Arbonne, and that's a very key location that will come back in the story. His brother Alfred would also follow his footsteps and be in the clergy as well, and that's not really noticeable because at this time in France, it was kind of just the thing to do to just become a priest or at least being part of the clergy. So it's just something you had to do. In July 1879, nine years after starting, he would be ordained as a priest. Um, he worked his way up to being a priest in a nearby parish, a very small village called Le Clat, which is also a very key location you'll hear about. Now, it, this parish belonged to a family that also will come back to the story later. Um, they're called De Negre Dable. I know it's a mouthful, but they'll come back. You'll hear about them a little bit. Now, being a priest, a very young priest, only a couple months in, he was offered a very good opportunity to teach at the very seminary that uh, the very seminary school that he went to in Narbonne by an old professor. Now that is pretty noticeable because he didn't particularly come from a rich or notable family. He wasn't really known, so the fact that he got this opportunity is already pretty interesting. Let's put it that way. Unfortunately, by then, Sonier's reputation wasn't the best. He was pretty insolent, he was defiant, stubborn, not the qualities you'd expect from a priest at that time. He wasn't really subservient or particularly pious. Was there a reason why? Was there, like, actions or things that it said that he did? Was it like he was, you know, did it give any examples? Not just yet, but these are traits that he would keep on later in his life. And um, during, you know, everything that happens to him later on uh, during his priesthood, 
um, you will see that he's very defiant, especially against authority. Um, he doesn't accept sentences, punishments, all of that. He's someone that, that's going to fight and just try to get his way around whatever he did or did not do. Okay. Now, following this very unflattering characterization, he landed in a very humble village close to his hometown of Montazel. Um, and this parish, um, strong of about 30 souls, wasn't particularly well regarded or respected. He was just basically let there because he wasn't such a, uh, a compliant and a obedient priest while he was teaching. Um, he succeeded a priest that had only quite briefly served in this little parish for just about a year, so high turnover over there. This town is now on the pilgrimage route to Santiago de Compostela um, and is none other than Rennes Chateau. Just a very small parish at the time, um, honestly not in great condition. It was just, this thing was in ruins. It wasn't great. Um, and even the parishioners weren't really rich or anything like that. They were just surviving over there. Now, six months month in, so that's still very early within his career as a priest, he attracts again the attention by making anti-Republican statements. Now, from what I could gather online, he, um, he told his parishioners that they should vote, um, let's see, let me make sure I have it the right way, that those parishioners should vote in favor of a reform for the clerical leg le legislations and towards the restoration of the French monarchy. Um, so those were very strong states, statements to make uh, to push towards the uh, abolition of the Republic at that time. Now, some have um, tried to say that this was maybe the result of bribe by figures in Narbonne, where he studied and later taught. But from what I could gather, this was pretty much debunked. He was just like that. He just wanted things his way, and that's what happened. Now, he had to hide away back in Narbonne after those statements for about six months again. Um, he went back to teaching and just tried to let, you know, every, every, everything quiet down, go back to normal. Now, I'm not sure how much of this is true, but apparently the parishioners wanted him back so bad that they made a bit, a, a, a big of, um, I don't want to say a riot, but they really, really wanted him back. And so they wrote letters and just they wanted him back as a priest um, in their parish. And they didn't really support this sentence. They didn't think he did anything that bad. Um, apparently, he was nicknamed, nicknamed at that time Le Bel Homme, which can you guess what that means? I will say it again. Le Bel Homme. The problem? Mm. It meant the pretty one. Uh -huh. Yes, it's the handsome man. That's what he was uh. Uh, nicknamed. So oh. I could totally see, you know, ladies thinking that they would need a young, handsome priest <laughs> instead of whatever else they had before. They urged the prefect to let him return and be their priest again. 
He finally made his way back in 1886, um, but by then, he was officially recognized as a militant, a reactionary, and um, it's just not something you wanted attached to your name at that time, especially. His stipend wasn't always honored or on time, so he was just, he fell into poverty very quickly. He was living in the ruins of Rennes-le-Chateau on the church's ground in the presbytery. And again, this place was just dilapidated. There was no way to live, even at that time. So not even having money to feed himself or to repair the church, it fell very quickly to disarray. <clears throat> now, saying that he was completely destitute would be a lie because he did came back from Narbonne with just about a thousand francs in his pocket, gifted by a contest um, tightly related to the then de dethroned uh, monarchy family. Uh, I believe she was the widow of um, Henry V. So she, she had some money, that lady. Um, and his brother Alfred as well, now a priest, um, also helped him when, when he could, of course, um, by just giving him money here and then, but specifically he wanted that money to go towards restoring the church and the presbytery as well. So just to benefit the parish in general. I hope I don't sound too hoarse because I can tell that <laughs> my my throat is getting worse and worse, so I hope I don't sound too bad. <laughs> no, you, do, you don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wonderful. All right. Um, let's see. So, yes, Alfred, his brother, he really wanted this money that he gave um, Sonier to go towards restorating and just making the church's ground just a little bit more worthy. Let's say that. Um, the central church of Rennes-le-Château in the parish was named Église Sainte-Marie-Madeleine, which would be the church St. Uh, Mary Magdalene. And if you pay close attention to patterns and, you know, symbols, that's something that's pretty, uh, pretty heavily charged um, in Christianity. Now, let's see what was wrong with this poor church. Um, the roof was leaking. About a portion of it was missing. Um, the windows were broken. The doors weren't working or they were just missing. Um, even inside, it was just the floor itself was completely broken. Some stones were missing. Even right outside of the parish, the streets were just, it, it was a mess. It was just a mess. It was left to, you know, to time to just become completely broken and in disarray. It's in um, 87, he started with the money that he gathered from the contest and his brother. He saved up and he installed a brand new altar inside of the church. And stained glass, beautiful glass. Um, you can probably find the pictures online again. Beautiful stained glass windows from a pretty reputed company in Bordeaux, which, is, which would be in the southwest of France on the... Where would that be? The Pacific Ocean, this coast over there. Now, it's pretty unclear precisely when, but it was definitely during the repairs. Um, a bell ringer, which is, you know, just a church worker, find containers holding 
papers, parchments, that to this day are the center of many conspiracies. Mm. That was the clue. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1887, yes, everything starts to change. Um, this bell ringer, um, sometimes referred to as, I guess, our equivalent of butler for the church, but um, but yeah, worker finds these uh, documents. And some of them are ciphered, some of them are very strange, and some of them have been decoded today, and some of them still haven't been decoded. But apparently Saunier decodes one of these ciphered messages, and it leads him to the graveyard outside of the church. Um, now, I've heard varying reports of what grave he actually dug up, but after he digs up this grave, things change around Rennes la chateau So... Starting off with the original thousand francs uh, that was bestowed upon him, he starts going on a massive spending spree, um, renovating this church, not only making it great again and um, just like cleaning up everything, but also making some very bizarre design choices. So aesthetically, we'll attack that first and we'll see if we can't try to decipher what mm -hmm. he would. So... For instance, the entrance of the church has, uh, in Latin, ascribed above it, um, this place is terrible. Very interesting if you want to enter a place of worship, that it mm -hmm. would welcome you <laughs> with those words. So that's the first kind of weird clue. <clears throat> and also, I do want to bring back, uh, well, actually, I'm going to save, bring back what this mm -hmm. church is dedicated to. Uh, Lily's already mentioned, but we'll get there. Um there are strange gargoyles, I mean, which is not unusual for the time. I mean, it actually is a little, I say it's out of date at this point for mm -hmm. gargoyles to be part of the design choice. But the gargoyles that are chosen and some of the statues that are in, inside the church are actually famous demons. It's like uh, Asmodeus. Um, there's a statue to Asmodeus, and I think there's one that's not to Beelzebub, but... Um, uh, Baphomet, I believe, also is one of the gargoyles. Mm -hmm. But the Asmodeus statue in the inside is one of the big, strange design elements that I don't think anyone understands why it's in there. It's it's like, um, and then as she mentioned with the stained glass earlier, some of the stained glass uh, depicts um, various like stations of the cross, but they're they're kind of warped and different than any other way they've been depicted in the past. Almost like they're trying to tell a history that's not the normally told history. Um, things along that line. Uh, there's basil. I got a question. Yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead. I, so <clears throat> how do they know that these are specific demon gargoyles? Is it like the name underneath them or is it like, how do they know? Yeah, specifically with the Asmodeus statue, I believe the name is inscribed under it. Mm hmm Okay. Never mind. All right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> there's also various... I was gonna say yeah. like fantasy demonic creatures such as basilisks and things like that. And they um there's one in particular that has a inscription above it that says, uh, by this sign you shall overcome him. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of kept very in the dark and could be uh some people have attributed that to being um anti like anti Christian, anti religious, or are they saying it's pro, you know, there's there's like various ways you can interpret what he's what message he's trying to get across because he has these demons and these creatures, but at the same time, he's sending mixed messages and and symbols such as like the this place is terrible, like um, so 
when all is said and done, the renovations he spends on Rennes-le-Chateau comes out to a modern equivalent of about $4.8 million. That's Jeez. way more than the original thousand francs he was mm-hmm. getting. I forget what the actual conversion is to francs now, but pretty much we can agree it's $4.8 million U.S. dollars is what he spends on this church. That is a huge spending spree, and no one knows. After he investigated this grave, he comes into this wealth. Um, he also has a general, he's always had the general disrespect, I guess, for, I guess, the uh, mm-hmm. normal, uh, um, I guess, touch and go of the day. But he, uh, there's a rumor starts spreading that he's having orgies in the church. And I think those are overblown maybe to a degree. And it's really just he was having maybe one illicit affair um, that Lily, I'm sure, will talk more on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he starts getting a reputation of, of doing dark and creepy things and possibly having orgies and all this renovation and the demons and the, this place is terrible. And where did he get all this money? Is he blackmailing the church? So this is where we get into the real conspiracies of what did he find that not only allowed him such wealth and freedom to change this church at will, but also what, uh, why didn't anyone stop him or why wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. I was the church so powerless to really do anything against this or, or not stand up to it earlier. So, so was it nun orgies or just like village people? <laughs> heard, heard That's what you're focused on. Seth is the orgy. Yeah, You got my attention. I have to, I'm like working before I have to leave, but I'm listening. <laughs> um, it, it was, um, people from village is what I've heard. And I, and I think that's also very, uh, Reminiscent of another case like Erzbet Batchery, uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk nice. on in the future. I'm sure, like it's it maybe some more smear campaign than actual facts, but it sounds really, really good and sexy on paper when you say, "Oh, he was having all these orgies in the Forbidden Church thing." <laughs> so, I don't know if it sounds yeah. sexy. But... <laughs> it's scandalous. It does, it does yeah. for me. <laughs> but, um, historians use for like. Or uh, I guess you would call like um, taboo history. They call it. It's like, oh, it sounds sexy, but it's like, <laughs> it's really just like, eh, they're probably smear campaign. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, this leads to the possible origins of the wealth. Um, I'm going to start with the less controversial ones and strange ones. Um, some people have said that this is where the Visigoths took the treasure of Rome after they sacked Rome. In, uh, in the 400s. Um, this is not outside the realm of possibility. This is where a lot of these people came from was the south of France, and um, uh, it wouldn't make sense that maybe that's where they would retreat to with treasure uh, like that. So that is one possibility. How it was all compiled in one graveyard in a random church in the south of France, I, I will never know. So I think that one has less uh, merit than some of the others. Um, some people think that this is actually connected to the Knights Templar um, treasure. Once again, not impossible. The Knights Templar were wiped out in France under the order of a French king. Um, it's very possible that that's where they were hoarding their wealth. Uh, so we have a Knights Templar uh, connection now that always draws up red flags. Um, the third is uh, that Sonia was blackmailing the, uh, the Catholic Church. And that he discovered um, something that would basically shatter the church to its core. Something maybe along the lines of uh, the Holy Grail. 
Ark of the Covenant, possible lineage of Jesus's uh, bloodline. Um, this is where we get into a lot of the literature and stuff that Rennes Lachateau has inspired. Uh, this is the direct inspiration for Henry Lincoln's Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which in turn is the main inspiration for Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. So, okay, I got a question real quick. So, <clears throat> if he was blackmailing, why wouldn't they just kill him off? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't they just send somebody to just, like, you know, pick him up in the middle of the night and then just, you know, kill him? Rather than having him blackmail them for millions and millions of dollars, why wouldn't they do something like that? Good point. I'll I'll interject real, really quickly. Um, I forget the name of the priest in question, but this has happened before where the church was just like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Um, I believe it was just a priest that had, you know, wild claims about the church and um, he tried to blow all of this out of the lid. Um, but they had him, I think, catch an axe to the face, if I remember, and placed next to his body. I want to say it was Russian cigarettes or something very obscure. Um, nobody ever solved that, of course, because the message just didn't mean a lot of anything. But mm -hmm. this has happened before where the church was like, okay, this person has to go. It's very interesting that Sonier never, um, or maybe was he, um, that he was never taken out that way. And that's, that's what makes, makes me believe that it wasn't blackmail of the church and maybe i mean maybe 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 i don't know but it like to me it seems like when something like when i guess when like a group or you know something is notorious for you know like maybe killing off people that black try to blackmail them you know like that you know people just end up dead i don't know that's i don't know it just i find it weird that he if he did blackmail him he was able to and still able to live i don't know that's just that's just my theory I don't know. I have I have a question for Clark. Uh, you mentioned the. Uh, I know this is a, in this hypothetical theory of the bloodlines. Like he might have had information about the church and and the uh, Christ bloodlines. Is that the like in terms of the Merovingians didn't have they didn't have as much power or say or something? You mean like that? Yeah, uh, similar to that, and that's kind of the thing. Also, is um. Maybe it wasn't something physical that the church wanted. He could blackmail for information that they really wanted. Um, and that guy okay. wouldn't kill someone off. You know, that would explain why he maybe wasn't uh, wasn't removed and maybe why he was given such, like, an allowance, I guess you could say, and free reign to do what he wanted there because maybe he says, hey, I have information for things you guys are going to want to know. Like, where is the resting place of some kind of artifact? Where is... Um, the bloodline. Who is the bloodline? <clears throat> it could be royalty. It could yeah. be nobody's. Um, so maybe he's like made himself worth more alive than dead, uh, okay. and not, not, not threatening to spread. Like uh, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to tell the truth to, to the world, and maybe it's more of, hey, when I die, you guys can have this. Just you know, in the meantime, let's make my life comfortable and let me do what I want to do, and then. Uh, Upon my passing, you get this information of where you want to know this is. So it could have been something, like I said, the church wanted and not wanted covered up. But again, that like to me, that seems like, all right, if he was saying like, hey, I got some information, but, you know, make my life, you know, help. And then when I die, it's like, OK, well, you're going to die tomorrow and then I can have that information. I don't no know. That just seems like. I mean, there's it's not today like where there's you know digital footprints on everything. Like if he had one document and 
mean, you're literally sitting on it. That's like the ultimate hostage situation. I mean, when it's gone, it's gone. Or maybe he destroyed it, and he all all the information was in his head. Oh, so he, like he looked at what was, you know? Okay, okay, okay. That makes the only person that knows. <laughs> like those guys, those guys that are uh, big Bitcoin uh, millionaires and billionaires, they memorize their like twenty four pass uh, password phrase. Uh, and then they they delete any evidence or any physical evidence, but then they just get kidnapped and hammered to death with like a blunt object until they actually say it. Yeah, but if they're gone, then the information's gone forever. So, yep. So I mean, there's so many ways that actually could play out. You know, it sounds easy on paper. It sounds very you know black and white, but there there could have been all kinds of you know variables actually uh, causing people to. I guess take caution and not act rash. Yeah. So um, those are the main theories of possibly what it mm -hmm. is now. Kind of going into some of the uh, intricacies of, um, I, I like to like point out some things. Like in Dan Brown's mm -hmm. novel, The Da Vinci Code, he purposely names the character that's murdered at the beginning that kicks off the whole story, Saunier. So that is a direct nod to um, Berenger Saunier, which I find great that he added that in. Uh, we also remember that the church, Rennes-le-Chateau, is dedicated to Mary Magdalene, St. Mary Magdalene. Um, that is a huge point in the Da Vinci Code and also Holy Blood, Holy Grail, that uh, Mary Magdalene was Jesus' wife and actually bore children. So um, that's kind of where the conspiracy has spiraled since. And, and it really kind of took off again in the 1950s. Um, so all this renovation happens from 1887 to 1897. So in a 10-year period, he spends $4.8 million dollars creates all this controversy, and then um, I'll let Lily finish what happens with his life and his mm -hmm. legacy afterward. But it's really in the 1950s when um, interest in this church starts turning up again, and then really in the 80s with Holy Blood, Holy Grail, like it really kicks off, and then obviously inspiring the Da Vinci Code, and now it's become like, it's become like a modern um, kind of conspiracy again to where people are saying, oh, what did he know? Um, you know, there's so many ifs, like, like why, hows, I mean, the, the questions just roll off because you have no clue how this man came into all this money, spent it all in the church in bizarre ways, apparently lived a decadent life, even though he was, a, you know, uh, supposed to be part of the, the clergy, and uh, and then leaves so many clues, mysteries on, um, like, like I said, things that just are, are going to interest people uh, forever. I mean, really, and... I don't think some of these mysteries will ever get solved. So it's like, what is the Holy Grail even? Something like that. So we're always going to ask these questions. And this guy is, becomes this strange crux point in the south of France that like brings the modern, it's really the modern inspiration for all the things we talk about or are searching for now. So it's really become like, um, I think the focal point for modern uh, theories on, especially like uh, Jesus's bloodline and the Holy Grail and things like that. So it's an extremely important event, um, whether or not it was just a fluke or something. Maybe he just came into money that we don't know about from family, but we have no documentation of um, or, or, or what. Um, now, Lily, did you want to continue on his life or did you want me to talk about his uh, eventual reigning in by the church? Let's see. So here's what I have. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll be able to cut that by. Um, I, I have just a little breakdown of what he did to the church, like a little list of all the craziness. Um, I will talk a little bit about the maid, uh, Mary, 
uh, about the mansion that he eventually built. Um, and then I do have a few notes about the whole debacle with the uh, Bishop de Bonséjour about, you know, the sentencing and all of that, the accusations. Um, and then I have a few notes about how he died. And that's pretty much all I have. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead to the um, to the sentencing. So I'll let you go ahead and take it with the maid, and that has its own, I guess, life of conspiracy as well. Okay. So let's take a list. Let's just draft a list of all the craziness that happened to this church and to the parish. Um, right after discovering the famous parchment, which to this day, we don't know what was inscribed on those parchments. Was it the information right there or was it direction to something? Um, he was very secretive about this. And it's very interesting because not that Sonier was um, surrounded by a lot of people that he trusted, but he was very, very secretive about this information. And as you will see here shortly, um, he was also very smart about who to let close to what he knew. Um, a character that you will hear about uh, a lot from now on is his maid that helped him a lot uh, in the church and in the uh, presbytery as well. Her name is Mary Donormo. Um, she's going to be a character that will be also central to the mystery of Rennes-le-Chateau. Um, she is tied to characters in the story that already have some mystery around them. I believe she was like, um, I can't remember her name now, but she's related to someone that had a vision of the Virgin Mary. So there's a lot of mysticism around her as well. So let's see. Let's take a deep breath and go through what happened to the church and um, the grounds around what he uh, renovated around that. After finding the parchments, the spending, as Clark just told us, just completely went uh, bonkers. Just, just beyond comprehension how much he spent in a very short amount of time. He installed a lock and fence around the church's ground, um, renovated the entire landing, and he erected statues uh, around the church. Uh, one in particular on the very top um, of the old altar, upside down. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism about that, the old altar being upside down with a statue on top, but it's just very peculiar that this is what he would choose to do. Um, Wait, so where, so the, the altar itself too was upside down, or was it just mm -hmm. the statue on, yes. on it? From what I understand, it's, the whole thing was just upside down. Oops. I just booped my uh, microphone. The The altar was upside down and the statue was just erected on top. So so the the, the altar is upside down mm -hmm. and the statue is upside down as well on top of it? Or the altar is upside down with the statue on top of it facing the, the right the side? The statue up. was upright, I believe. Okay. So that's just, that's just peculiar. And now, where did he... Did mm -hmm. he say where he had it? Was it like right next to the new one or was it like outside? It was outside. Okay. Um, and then he... Sorry. So one evening in his journal, he wrote that he discovered a particular tomb. Um, it was a rainy night and 
Apparently, the next day, a mysterious pot of gold was seen um, in the church's ground. I don't remember where exactly, but a worker found this pot of gold and Sonier dismissed it very quickly, saying that it was it was just either pebbles and rocks or it was not valuable, it was not important, and we didn't need to talk about that. Shortly after, he traveled to Carcassonne, which is a pretty big town uh, in the south of France, to visit some of his peers, um, but he came back after a few, a few days, I believe, he came back completely dismissing the old workers and gaining a new crew. So, whether this pot of gold story is true or not, the fact that immediately he had the forethought of just dismissing the old workers, getting a new crew that wouldn't know about that whole affair, um, I do think that he was, he was smart enough to try to make his life a little bit safer. Yep. Now, from now on, the story unfolds pretty quickly for Sonier. Um, in 84, he travels around the countryside and he returns um, to, with Mary Armo. he ends up digging around, around the church ground, around Rennes-le-Chateau, um, and they're suspected of vandalism and grave digging. Um, and it, it's just those graves that they either dig up or deface are of people that are pretty important at the time. Um, for example, one that is pretty noticeable is the grave of Mary de Blanchefort, which was, uh, if I remember correctly, a pretty wor uh, wealthy uh, woman at the time. And there's a lot of misspelling on her grave. And if you follow the pattern, um, if you try to decipher a little bit from those mistakes, it, it's a complete flip from what the message is intended to be and from what you can read with all those typos and mistakes. Um, one, dang it, I did it again. One thing that I um, remember in particular is having um, at the very bottom, I believe, of her grave, uh, the gravestone, um, the way the letters are arranged, the way the kerning of the letters, uh, are, how, how they are spaced, it almost calls her a prostitute at the time. And this is very, like, this is outrageous because she's a very wealthy, respected women at the time. And the fact that they didn't even take, took the time or the money to remake a stone for her, um, to have her, you know, called a prostitute is just, it's crazy. Um, so let's see, moving on, Sonier builds a literal mansion right next to the church, um, very ostentatious gardens, very pricey art, um, he holds banquets with just renowned guests, and, um, he's, he's just living lavishly, and it, it seems like what he's doing and how much he's spending has just no end. Whatever Mario de Normore wants, she gets. Um, she is seen around Rennes de Chateau with the latest fashions. Um, she's nicknamed La Madone, which, you know, which is the, the dame, the, the diva, basically. Um, she's just always in the best fashion, uh, surrounded by famous, you know, famous, uh, aristocracy, I suppose. Um, now he also builds... A, a great tower right next to the mansion on the church's ground, um, on the villa's ground, sorry, not on the church's ground. 
and um, this you can see pictures to this day, and it's just absolutely humongous next to the house. Uh, it must have cost a fortune. He renamed it and changed it a few times. Um, it it's just it's ridiculous. And at the turn of the century, he bought a collection of books, stamps, journals, postcards, and he hired a very famous, a very renowned expert to just build this library. His name is uh, Henry Barrett. And this is just so, such a lavish way of just spending money. It's like it just never stops coming. Um, needless to say, this got the attention, of course, of the authorities. And notably, a bishop, uh, Mr. De, de Bon Séjour, and he became his investigation into Sonier. Now, this means trouble for Sonier's. And as we've told before, he doesn't do well with authority, he's very stubborn, and he doesn't like any of that. He was accused of, quote-unquote, trafficking of mass, which, from what I understand, is just uh, charging people to perform mass, which was a no-no back then. But he was not sentenced uh, by then. He didn't really accept the fines or any of the sentencing. He just, he was not about that. Um, there was a drone out back and forth be between himself and the bishop because either he would not show up to court or he wouldn't submit the document he needed to submit. Um, he was just not about that whole investigation. He wasn't cooperative. And I believe to the day he died, he never accepted any of the accusations or sentences that he got. Got a question. If the bishop... Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is this is the thing. If the... If he was black, I can't get off this blackmail thing. Okay, so if if he was blackmailing the church, don't you think the church would have told this bishop what was going on, like during the investigation, or maybe not like to the extent of like, hey, this is what's going on, but like, hey, just don't worry about it. Don't like, don't you think that would have happened? Unless they thought, hey, mm -hmm. let's just get this guy out of here so we can send our own people in and ex excavate this church and see what we find. There's got to be more. If he finds if he finds a you know a few documents, parchments, and digs up a grave, and he's able to bring the church to its knees, think about what else could be there. And that's another conspiracy theory that I can end on that'll uh, surprise you. So, but like I I don't know like it, it seems to me like if they were going to do the whole investigation thing that they would have sent like an army of investigators or like the they would the bishop would have had like endless resources at his fingertips to like you know get this guy. And I, I, I get you were like saying that like he was he was given fines and like all this stuff, but I feel like they would either like planted some sort of evidence or had like some something to like I don't know. I just that's why I like the whole blackmailing like the him blackmailing church. I don't know if I can get on board with it. Still, a lot, like, I, still a lot of channels to go through too, man. Think of Batman like Commissioner Gordon's trying to do the right thing, and your whole department's corrupt. Like one bishop trying to. <laughs> Now I understand. <laughs> you gotta have the best. If you don't have people that have your back, I mean, it's pointless. And especially if the guy's saying, "No, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not coming to court. Sorry," and no one does anything. I mean, well, that's what I, I have a question about, Lily. You said like he just didn't mm -hmm. accept charges or sentencing. Did did they just not have the manpower to enforce anything? So like a guy like him and his resources, he could just do that. I I think that he was just simply not cooperating and they didn't they never sent the big guns towards him not that what he was doing wasn't big enough 
but I don't think it it didn't justify at the time sending him sending in whatever power main power they would have to catch him. Okay. Yeah, I think I think their problems were bigger, and also you got to mm-hmm. remember where we're at in an interwar period where. When earlier you had mentioned that, um, you know, he had said controversial statements such as reinstating mm-hmm. a monarchy and things like that. He was doing this in the late 1870s, right after France suffers an embarrassing loss in the, you know, pr- Franco-Prussian War in 1871. So there's a lot of sentiment where people are saying, hey, maybe maybe this isn't the right thing. It's not, that wasn't, maybe it's controversial, but it's not necessarily completely blasphemous. And now we're bleeding into the era leading up to World War One. We're in the early 1900s now. Um, there's a lot of distrust, especially because um, even if Rome wanted to do something, they're still within Italian national borders, and Italy and France are not friends at this time. They become friends during World War One, but they are not. They're actually allied against each other at this point. So a bishop in France wanting support from the church in Rome might not be able to get it. And I was just going to say that at that time, I'm not sure how much reach the church would have um, as powerful as they would have been earlier at that time. I'm not sure if they would have um, that much influence with the authority to actually get a car of whatever to go and grab this man that's out of control. Yeah, okay. we are, we're, we're in the rise of nation states historically at this point, and France is a secular state by constitution at this point. So there isn't the church authority like you would think it would have been even 100 years before. Okay, okay. Personally, I do subscribe to the theory of that he had some information that would have, um, what's the word for that? Um shaken i guess the church that much that disposing of sonier was not even a solution to this problem i think he became so problematic that his existence and his death would mean just ruin of the church if it wasn't at the the exact time or i guess how it happened when he died so it was better to keep him alive Mm -hmm. that's what i think Okay. I think it was like the least of two evils, you know. Might yep. as well just keep him alive because he's so close to a few that could perpetuate this this nightmare that they have going on. Then just keeping him as happy and you know as can be, just letting them letting him do his thing, might have been the lesser of two evils. I think. Okay. Now where we are in the story right now, right around 1911. Um, is when Sonier's priesthood was effectively removed at some point. They did have the final word on the whole debacle. Now, this was only temporary at first until his successful appeal in 1915. So he fought, he fought, and he was not going to go down or um, let go of his priesthood. Now... On January 17, 1917, Mario de Narmo, his maid, finds Sonier laying on the church's ground near, near the tower that he built before the Tower Magdala. Um, apparently, he's just laying on the floor in a pool of his blood. He's unresponsive. They take care of him back to the presbytery, and he's laid in his bed to just... Just be there and try to get better whatever's left of him. 
Now, I won't touch too much on the maid's life, but if you want more, just leave a comment. <laughs> um, there is a lot of instances, sorry, in this story where a character at some point suffers a an accident and they're just unable to talk, unable to be to communicate at all. And this is what happens to Sonier. When he has his, his accident, whatever happened, and he's found and laid in his bed, he can't talk, he's not responsive, and only a mere five days la later, he dies. Um, is, he, is he unconscious? Like, is he knocked mm -hmm. out? Or is he, like, he alert? Or, like, oh, like, is he... I wasn't able to find more about how his condition was when he died, but it is definitely noted that he was alive but unable to speak or communicate. So I don't even know if okay. his eyes were open or if maybe they, he was already dead, but they, uh, you know, they, they let him to rest because they just were hoping he would get better. That's true. Not sure. Okay. But it all, it all, everything I've read too is it sounds very similar to like a major stroke. Um, mm. Okay. More to like what Lennon had and um, being just very non-communicative, but like alert, like your eyes, you know, you're looking around, but just non-communicative. So. Okay. Okay. And he would just pass away, like I said, just a few days later. Um, now, his confession, his last uh, rites, I guess, uh, were taken by uh, another priest. Um, and now this event is also at the center of many uh, speculations and conspiracies. Because some say that after taking the confession the last rites of Sonier, this uh abbe i guess um he just refused to administer last rites again and that this just changed his faith to his core of course this has not be been confirmed but i've read that that um taking Sonier's last word shook him so much that he refused to do it again after that now um, there's little things about Sonier that were discovered after his death, uh, sometimes by his maid, Marie Armo, or, um, by the men that she will later on marry to take care of the fortune and of the church ground. For example, in his, it's not quite a personal journal, but at this time, Priest held a, um, I'm not sure how to call that, but like, a. Goodness, what's a good word for that? Like a record, like, like, a, like a, the that. church records. You know, they would have, they would just keep a, oh, a journal records. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, sorry, I didn't know if Alex just said what I just said. Keep the minutes, almost like a logbook. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, apparently, right around the time that he passed, he wrote over and over and over again. Okay, if I remember correctly, he wrote exactly in French, of course. Jesus of Galilee did not or wasn't born here. And he specifically wrote, I think, of Galilee did not, was not born here, which is such an odd statement. We're in the south of France. Of course he didn't. But who is Jesus of Galilee? Who? It's, it's just little things like that that make me think that what he found on those parchments either led him 
to something big or revealed something big to him, some a piece of information. Um, now, after Sonia passed, uh, Mari de Normo, his maid, was now um, the, the owner of the church's ground. She was married to a gentleman, I don't remember his name now, I thought I wrote it down, um, that will take care of all the finances side of things. Um, and it is known that Mary repeated to him over and over again that people in Rendle Chateau are walking on gold and they don't even know it. So she was in on the secret, but of course, very soon she would suffer an accident, unable to speak again, and would pass. So this is pretty much all I have on this story, but there's so much more to talk about. That, that, that's, that, that's it? That's, you left us, left us on a cliffhanger, I mm -hmm. feel like. Like I said, it's, it's strange that it kind of drops out of favor until the 1940s mm -hmm. when people start digging it up again and start talking about it. Like it just, it gets covered up. World War One happens, World War Two happens, depression, you know. Like, we go through the, the teens, the 20s, the roaring 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Like, everything happens, and it's not till the 50s that people start actually getting excited about this stuff again because mm -hmm. Frank had a lot of problems between 1914 and 1945, if you don't, if you don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that, that's where it stands. And, um, <clears throat> and one of the things she brought up that I want to bring up to Alex because it will make mm -hmm. him super excited is that uh, Jesus of Galilee was not born here. One conspiracy theory is that uh, Sonia found uh, alien remains or spaceship. That was, that was the blackmail of the church that he knew that aliens existed and they knew aliens. Oh, he's back. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But like, yeah, okay. I just, I just see like a desiccated uh, corpse and uh, or alien corpse in like a weird metal alloy box and under a. A chateau, it's so cool. But okay, so here's <laughs> here's the thing though. Why would he why would he state like Jesus of get why would he call why would he call the alien Jesus if he found an alien? Why wouldn't he call like the the traveler or you know, like something like something like that? Why would he like make it biblical? And I get it, he's a priest, he's mm -hmm. like okay, got it, yada. But like to me that would okay, it makes sense. Okay, if he did find something like that, okay. He Oh, you cut off. Is it just me? He always freezes at the at the worst point. Oh. Well, I, I want to know. I want to know. Uh, what what did they? What was their word for alien? Like they had different conceptions back then, and how would they would even phrase or think about it? Like what would their word or idea of an alien even be? Mm. There's not a precedent for science fiction at this point, but it comes mm. very soon. It's actually very interesting because Jules Verne, who was French by birth, actually visited Renla Chateau and there's rumors that he has left clues in his uh books to Okay whatever, so whatever found at Renla Chateau. So the time Okay, yeah. so so they find it at the chateau and then he starts making books about the alien that they found. And starts but writing like being secret about way before anyone he kind of invents science fiction. I, I swear, uh, that stuff in weird keeps solving all these mysteries. You know? <laughs> I, I just, 
Okay, and I, I've said it before. Like, okay, got mm-hmm. it. Like, like when you see it, when like, okay, back in the day, they don't have a word for spaceship. What do they call it? A chariot. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But to, but to me, why would you call an alien Jesus? That to me, that just doesn't make sense. Because maybe I, and, oh, maybe I guess you could. Be mm-hmm. saying Jesus of Galilee was not born here. He was alien. <sighs> Like, like it, it reminds me of Ridley Scott's whole thing about, uh, like the transpermia alien, uh, like basically the beginning of Prometheus. Uh, yeah, God yeah, is yeah. an alien that seeded, uh, Earth. Yeah. Yeah. We're aliens <laughs> right now. We just evolutionarily grew here, like the panspermia theory. Like Earth did not have life before life landed here, and we are just the. 4.8 billion year evolution of that alien life. Okay, look, okay. I, I tr- trust me, I want to believe it's aliens, okay? Like I love aliens. I want to say it's aliens and just be like, I but I have to be I have to be skeptical because, you know, like I I don't know. Now, just... now you're choosing to be skeptical? <laughs> <laughs> we finally give you aliens and you throw it. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what's going on in the world right now with like the whole UFO sightings where it's like, it's like, all right, yeah, UAPs, UFOs, like, you know, like we've been studying them, yada, yada. Now everyone's like, nope, it's fake. Nope, fake. It's not real. It's like, we just gave you everything you wanted and now you're saying it's fake. Nevertheless, this is a very interesting story. And like, okay, so do do you guys have anything else? I, 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 you gave me the alien thing. But is there anything else with the story? Is there anything else that, like, from, I guess, from the 1950s till now, people have, like, a little bit more to add to the story? Like, is there any other theories or anything else out there? Like, like maybe anything? So there are theories, yes, because of the books that were written about the place. I forget about the the, the author that started the whole thing. But there is a book where people have been trying to find so many patterns, trying to decipher why he wrote it that way, and maybe to get clues about what Sonier found. Um, But yes, people are always coming up with different interpretation, and maybe he found, you know, Jesus's bloodline, and it's, it's always evolving, and every time I hear a new... A theory about it i i roll a little bit because it's it just keeps getting crazier and crazier it's so deep this mystery <laughs> is there like a main book on this where that that covers all the topics you guys just talked about um i would start with henry lincoln's holy uh holy blood yes, holy, holy blood holy grail is a good one okay i know there's another one let me do um a quick googling here because that sounds like a audible book that i would love yeah, so much of his information is what inspired Dan Brown's Hollywoodization of of that like information. So Saunier, like I said, is noted as a character. Uh, it kind of throws in a couple of the the theories, like is it Jesus's bloodline? Is it the remains of Mary Magdalene? Um, is it the recovered remains of Jesus? Um, there's you know so many like things that aside from just being treasure, you know, just there saying Roman treasure or Templar treasure. Aside from that, it could be physical remains of some holy figure. It could be a physical object like the Holy Grail, if that was, you know, a physical object that was, you know, recovered as an artifact. But um, it, it could be, like I said, Mary Magdalene's remains. Um, it could be proof of Jesus' bloodline. 
or like I said, it could be something that was, uh, you know, so bananas that it would shatter the fabric of, uh, you know, human peace like aliens. So that's, that's basically where it goes. I'm, I'm in the boat of it being some kind of historical document, something similar to the Dead Sea Scrolls, something that shifts or shapes um, control the Catholic Church has. That's where... Well, around I, that time frame... Sorry. I was just saying, that's where I would put my chips if I was betting on it. Around that time frame, there were, like, uh, a couple of the questionable origin uh, apocryphal texts, I believe. Like, uh, you have a few of them kind of popping around. And back then, if they found something, uh, I would... I mean, it's not like you could... Uh, Google a reservoir of research on those documents. Uh, I would imagine that some people would be like, whoa. Yeah. Really quickly, I finally found the book that I was referring uh, referring to. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to do some quick, not quick math, but quick translation. In French, it's called L'Héritage de la Bessonnière by uh, Corbu and uh, Captier. So I guess in English, that would be uh souvenirs what would that be um all right google will help <laughs> <laughs> let's see um but yes this is a book that's uh referred to a lot during my research um there's a lot of um what's it called patterns and just puzzles within the book. Some have theorized that maybe it leads to the tomb that Sonier found uh, found out, or maybe to the parchments themselves. Oh, legacy! Of course, legacy. So, um, so it would be Sonier's legacy in English. That that would be the translation. Okay. Now, so yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good read. It's interesting. Uh, my question has okay. So the 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 maid had mm -hmm. said that if people knew that they were walking, like what was it on a so, what was it? So she told uh, the the man that she later married that uh, the people walking in Reno Chateau are walking on gold and they don't even know it. So has anyone excavated? like any part of like the the chapel or like any specific parts of like around there to like maybe dig I don't know up that something they can. I don't know that they can since it's uh religious grounds. I don't know mm -hmm. how much is possible at that point. Cuz that would be interesting. Or maybe maybe like maybe she's not saying like in the physical mm -hmm. sense like they're walking like literally on top of something, but maybe like I don't know. Yeah, it could be metaphorical this, so. right yeah like the land itself is, is worth, worth so much mm -hmm. yeah like there's something about that area oh that oh i knew this was gonna be a story that i was just gonna scratch my head <laughs> and i'm just gonna be angry now for the rest of the night and just being like <laughs> and the fact that originally this was such a dilapidated and a second thought parish is just crazy because nobody knew this treasure, whatever it is, at the end of the day, that it was resting there, just waited to be found. 
waiting to see be that's found. that's see that's what makes me kind of believe that it was like maybe like the knight templar type thing where mm-hmm. it was like he maybe had some information or like you know maybe found like a little bit of you know treasure or like some sort of like something from them but then also more on top of that that like yeah it was it was a lot of good stuff that he had had and then yeah like but the thing that like really kind of brings me back to like maybe the church had something to do with it was the the double incidents where he couldn't speak and then Mm -hmm. the only other person that had the information now she couldn't speak as well that's what makes me think foul play has had something to do with it but ah. i could totally see that and then when you had all the other little weird things that happened writing over and over the sentence in his journal the incident with the pot of gold was it really gold was it you know something else was it was it an urn or what what was found in this church what happened and back to the recon colony why did they bury him under concrete Mm, yeah I I forgot to to say that, but um, when he was buried, he was wearing wearing a garment with red um, little tassels around it, and everyone that was present cut and kept one tassel with them. So when you really? say this stuff about the whole burying under concrete stuff, mm-hmm. is there what's the speculation behind that? Uh, you can find anything. Anything you want to find, you will find. Was it because they needed to gather something back from his body? Was it because they needed to bury him deeper, maybe? Was it because his body was, you know, uh, emanating something that needed to be contained? Whatever you want to find about this story, you will find somebody online that is like, yep, that's it, that's the one. If I was Macron, I would just be like, I don't care if it's church, we're digging it up. (laughs) <laughs> like I mean, I mean, there are some things we just gotta know. <laughs> yeah, and then guess what? You go missing. That's why people don't yep. do it. Yeah, well, Macron's busy with all those farmer riots. Oh. <laughs> well, that was a very that was very informed. That was a very I, I, again like I'm now I'm probably gonna be like thinking about this the rest of the night. So thank you. Is. Was there any other information or was there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up about this story? Uh, Just be safe. And if you fall, make sure that beforehand you write everything you want, you know, people to know. Just write it down. Because if you have an accident, you never know what's going to happen. So just, you know, just be safe. Be safe. Uh, If you you happen to stumble upon transcendental leprechaun alien technology, (laughs) stay calm. Yes. And be just a little bit more descriptive in your journal, please. Because Jesus of Galileo wasn't born here is not helping. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that the problem with so many old texts that are that drive people nuts? It's like so minimal. It's like, what do you mean? (laughs) I have a bunch of midnight notes where I just roll over and write something down so I remember it in the morning. Oh, please don't bury treasure. Oh no. (laughs) You guys you guys are gonna find my journals and they're gonna be like you're gonna be like <laughs> what did he know? <laughs> it's like it's like that episode in Seinfeld where Jerry wakes up in the middle of the night to write down a joke, but he reads it the next day and it doesn't make any sense. So he's like going to like weird help doctors and like trying to decipher it. <laughs> uh, 
Clark, was there was there anything else that you wanted to bring up or last last minute thoughts or anything like that? I think we've uh, I think we've thoroughly confused and upset you. So. Oh God, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't expecting that honestly. Like I was like, ooh, I'm gonna you know listen to a good old story. It's gonna be informative. I mean, it was. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't think it was gonna leave me just like, yep. And then they all died. And there's oh, a big secret. speaking speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of like something that sticks with you all night, uh, you did the same thing to me, Alex, where I was up all night researching this guy <laughs> that stuck his head in a in a particle accelerator. Oh and, my god! And, and I need and I, and I need to do a little bit of fact checking for the podcast. So he didn't stay young. Apparently, he had uh, he went deaf in one ear and like partially <laughs> blind, and and oh. it, it, his face did not stay young. It was yeah, just it paralyzed. Was. No, it was paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> And, he, and it, it swelled up, and he looked horrible. <laughs> okay, okay. Remember, remember, the new tagline for That's Effing Weird is, and that did not happen. <laughs> we'll fact check it in the next episode. <laughs> yes. For legal oh. reasons, that did not happen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... Clark, Lily, thank you for thank you for this uh, you know this this whole story and everything like that. I think our you're leaving us with a lot of questions, and you as the audience member, if you have any theories, any ideas, any anything that you want to like throw out there to us as a possibility as to what happened, could it have been an alien? What was the church behind it? What did he actually find? You know, just leave those comments in the uh, social media, Discord, Reddit. We're we're all over the place, so just you know, leave us uh, your comments. Tell us what you think about the show. Again, Lily, Clark, thank you guys for, for informing us. Thank you for sitting through that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just remember here at That's Effin' Weird, we don't want to know about, we want stuff that's effin' weird. <laughs>